To another episode of Breaking Mayberry, the show about watching black and white television to see why your parents' brains are broken. My name is Martin Schneider, and I am one of your hosts. I am the other host, Dan Ludwig. Uh, and we've got an uh, we've got an episode today. We've got an episode. <laughs> it sure is an episode. It is technically one of those things. And uh, we're going to be talking about an episode of television. Definitely a half hour of TV. That we watched numerous times. A, a, a show about, apparently, the battle of the sexes? Which we, I guess, sure? I, the most confusing battle of the sexes I've ever seen. It's a real weird episode that we're talking about today of the Andy Griffith Show. We're going to get into that in just a minute. But first, uh, I want to promote a couple of things. Uh, don't forget, if you are in Philadelphia on Sunday the 27th as part of the uh, Headstrong... Everything is Awesome Festival. Dan and I are doing our first Mayberry live show. We're going to be doing a couple of uh, old episodes from Season 1. And we'll be at South Street Cinema Sunday the 27th at 1 p.m. The festival itself is free, free admission, but it is part of a fundraiser for the Headstrong Foundation. The Headstrong Foundation is a local charity that pays for housing and some other costs for people whose lives have been affected by cancer, or theirs, or family members. So it's all for a good cause. We're doing it at South Street Cinema. Please come by and watch us try to do this without swearing, because there might be kids <laughs> in the audience. It will be an overwhelming failure. Uh, yeah, we there's it's a full day event. There's four venues. Uh, us, the the ghouls next door will be uh, tattooed mom down the street. A bunch of other shows uh, and comedians. Please come by and check us out. There's be details below in our show notes, uh, and it'll be again at South Street Cinema. Our friends there. I, I feel like the most realistic course of events for the live show is I'm going to try really hard to not swear and then swear while looking a child dead in the eyes and then his dad is going to fight me, which should just be a great show for everyone involved. So Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, honestly. Yeah. That's going to be great. Come see someone's parents just attack me over a table. Uh, that'll be at South Street Cinema. And speaking of South Street Cinema, our friends over there, if you're in Philadelphia or if you just like weird, artsy like, offbeat cult cinema in general. South Street Cinema is a great location for that. And uh, they host, like, monthly kung fu nights that Dan and I appreciate and go to all the time. Constantly. Uh, and it's uh, just a little, like, small repertory theater. It was funded by the South Street District, by, like, the Tourism Board. But now it's trying to sustain its own susp- its own expenses. Now, those expenses aren't very high, uh, but they are... Right, currently promoting a Kickstarter to gather a couple of thousand dollars, which is just paying for movie licensing fees and rent and utilities and things. This place is a treasure. And, it's the best. And on top of this, they're doing things like they're open right now. It's like 30 degrees here in Philadelphia, like actually probably lower than that. So anytime there's a code blue, they stay open all night for people to come in if they don't want to go to a shelter, if there's got other reasons for that. There's there, they're there to watch free movies and popcorn. 
there is, I mean, there's no room in Philly. Like, having worked at a homeless shelter, they're always at maximum capacity. The fact that South Street Cinema is doing this at all is legitimately saving at least a couple of lives. Absolutely. So it's absolutely. The, it's one of the best places in Philadelphia. I, I, I would be absolutely devastated if it closed down. If you live in Philly, donate. If you don't live in Philly, but you have money, donate. Yeah, so there'll be a Kickstarter below uh, in uh, our show notes as well, so please check that out, and uh, it would you know, mean a lot to us. Let's continue to ask you for money. If you want to support us on Patreon... <laughs> we should... No, let's <laughs> let's circle back at the end no, no, of no, the no, Patreon. No, 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 <laughs> there's, there's a reason for the Patreon thing. I'm doing the Patreon thing now. If you want to support Dan and I on Patreon... Uh, patreon.com slash breaking mayberry it helps us pay a lot of these expenses i know we've just asked you for a bunch of money to donate but right now in january for the month of january if you become a patron with us we will uh match your first month in a donation to the headstrong foundation that i just mentioned takes care of uh cancer patients and their family in ways that like insurance generally doesn't so dan and i will match your first month contribution in a in a donation to the headstrong foundation if you become a patron this month in January, that's it. We're yeah. done. We're, we're done. All right, onto the onto the the real shit. Yeah, we're we're not asking you for money. Yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> we we got to get it up top because you guys all stop listening after the Barney rating. Oh, you 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 don't stick around for the ratings. We know. Yeah. We know. Uh, so today's episode of the Andy Griffith Show is entitled "The Perfect Female," and man, it just gets worse from there. God, it's I. I honestly, before watching this show, I never really thought about using female as a noun and how sketchy it sounds. And now it's just so much of my life of just hearing, like, you're a great female. Oh, God, no, please. Like, just every, like, oh, what a stubborn female you are. It's the weirdest way to be shitty to women. It, it, it is, it's mostly because, like, that's how you describe an animal. Yeah. Right? That's how you describe, like, a cheetah that you see on the Discovery Channel. I, yeah, no, I feel like it's, it's that weird, like, you do, the only people that say male and female socially anymore are guys who are red-pilled. Like, yeah. Yeah. Who are, who are into that, like, alpha male shit. Like, yeah, nobody says male anymore in a social context without the word alpha or beta in front of it. And they say female within a similar context. But on to the, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> let's get into this absolute, I guess, quagmire of an episode? Yeah, uh, it's, it's a very strange thing. Um, and I, I do have some information that you don't have, Dan, that I'm gonna explain a little bit when we get into this. Yeah, cause uh, I was confused the first time I watched it, then the second time, and I'm still confused. Well, the thing about this is, it's a very weird episode, even by Andy Griffith episode standards. It, it doesn't feel like it fits with the rest of, like, it, tone-wise, it's very off of everything else. Yeah. So this is season two, episode eight. First aired November 27th, 1961. The Perfect Female, directed by Mean Bob Sweeney, Hall of Fame WWE announcer. Guy who's slightly too proud of his college, Bob Sweeney. And, of course, written by Jack Ellenson and Charles Stewart. So here is your one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. It's a two-sentence summary. After Barney and Thelma Lou set Andy up on a, on a blind date with Karen Moore, played by Gail Davis, mm-hmm. Thelma Lou's visiting cousin... Andy tries to find out if she is the one. Karen surprises Andy by besting him at skeet shooting. 
Okay, so so skeet shooting plays a huge part in this. In this, yeah. Uh, like so, there's like a big. We'll get. Well, I'll just say it right now. The big climactic point where because Wikipedia already spoiled it, uh, where Andy's like the favorite to win the local skeet shooting competition, but it turns out that the woman he's been dating has is actually a champion skeet shooter, and she bests him in this game of skeet shooting. The climax of this dating episode is shooting skeet. Yes, yes. Skeet gets shot. Oh, there's a lot of skeet all over. <laughs> yeah, no, the skeet is blasted all over this episode. I we have to. I feel like we should cut that out. The, never mind. Keep going. Nope, I'm keeping it. <laughs> God damn it, I'm keeping it. Ugh. Like Skeet Ulrich. That's a guy's name. <laughs> <laughs> he allowed that to happen. Um, <laughs> he had to register that name with a union. <laughs> Okay, so so let me let me go ahead and explain a little bit about what's happening here. Uh, right before the Andy Griffith Show came on CBS, there was another little show, a western called Annie Oakley. Oh. Yeah, which was in syndication, but uh, distributed by CBS Films. And the star of Annie Oakley, if you're if you're familiar with the name, it was about a female sharpshooter played by Gail Davis. Mm-hmm. So. This entire episode is just, like, an excuse to get Gail Davis, which the audience would have already known as Sharpshooter Annie Oakley, uh, onto the screen. So, it was, it's like a weird crossover episode, but it's like the, the, the audience at home is like, no, Andy, you're taking Annie Oakley to shoot guns, you're making a fool of yourself! It's really weird, because it's a crossover episode with a, like, show that was... Already off the air. It had already ended the year before. It was still in reruns and syndication, and CBS owned the syndication rights. It's like how Brian Cranston will come back every now and then and be Walter White. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. he'll he'll just like pop up and reprise the character or some shit. Like, yeah, no, she's just like popping up, and be like, "Hey, remember me, Annie Oakley? My career is not going as strong as I thought it would after the movie." <laughs> Uh, oh god, yeah, Andy Griffith would be no stranger to that in the 70s. Oh god, yeah, we're gonna be charting the failed career of Andy Griffith prior to Matlock at some point, because it is a fucking saga. In the 70s, there was a one-season show where he was, it was a sci-fi show where he was like a space repo man. (laughs) Which is a premise I would watch in a second. I'm all about it. I bet it sucks. Oh, it definitely (laughs) sucks. So yeah. So keep that in mind. The entire reason for this episode is uh, because we have a guest star who's best known for a shooting uh, mm-hmm. television show, for a shooting character. <laughs> a, yeah, she's known for the shooting that she did on Paramount Studio Lot. <laughs> that day that will live in infamy. Our first scene is outside of Thelma Lou's house. So Barney pulls up in the police cruiser. And he slides over, and he's outside in the driveway, so he's, like, sticking his head out of the car. And he and Thelma Lou are talking about her cousin, who has just come in from Arkansas. That's a point that I really want to hammer home. She's coming from Arkansas. She is from a different state. Yeah, yeah, and, like, they refer to her as, like, a city gal, which doesn't make any sense. You know, that city of Arkansas. The Little Rock, I guess? Yeah, no, but I wouldn't describe that as, like... Like, the big city of, of Little Rock. Uh, yeah, but if you were in Mayberry, you would, I guess. Um, so, uh, they're, they're talking about it, and uh, she's skeptical. They're trying to, like, from the very beginning of this episode, they're trying to set her up with Andy. And she's skeptical. She very, and I, I got really excited about this, 
she very clearly says that she did not come to Mayberry for a manhunt! <laughs> manhunt! I'm not here for a manhunt! <laughs> I'm not here to hunt men! <laughs> she, like... Uh, she's not coming into the episode for where there's a dragnet. <laughs> that would actually rule, like, oh, my cousin Karen is in town. She's here to join the uh, the hunt for the escaped fugitive. I mean, she would be the most capable one there. She's a fucking sharpshooter. Fuck, that episode she's is so sniper. much She's a sniper. Like, uh, like that will be a fantastic romantic comedy. Like, oh, I'm Andy. I'm hunting a man in the woods of, uh, of North Carolina. I'm a sharpshooter from uh, from Arkansas. I guess we're going to have to bond as we hunt the dangerous, <laughs> as we hunt the most dangerous <laughs> game, starring Katherine Heigl and Gerard Butler. Fuck, coming this February. <laughs> I would watch that dog shit movie. Uh, but uh, yeah, so so Karen's in from Arkansas on vacation, and man, goddamn Karen, that sucks. It sucks that you're like, using vacation days to go to Mayberry. Yeah, like just. Go visit your cousin in bumfuck nowhere and be submitted to this episode. I would, <laughs> if this episode was my vacation, I would be furious for years. Like, I would never visit Thelma Lou ever again. So, Barney says that Andy doesn't trust him when it comes to blind dates. Uh, apparently it's, like, been a thing that he's set him up with bad dates before. Uh, no. Okay, so, uh... Barney quotes a couple of a couple of instances, and he's like, "Andy doesn't trust me." Uh, there was that one girl from Detroit, and Thelma's like, "Well, what's wrong with her?" And he's like, "Well, it's not my fault that she had fat knees and wouldn't shut up." So that's the first one, and then there was another one. And he's like, "And there was the other time." Uh, uh, he swore that the girl looked exactly like Ben Franklin. The Ben Franklin thing is, like, the kind of gross that you would see in a TV show now. Right. The fat knees and wouldn't shut up is such a weirdly gross line. Like, an out-of-left-field gross... Like, we, there was another time before where we were like, why is Andy Griffith calling this woman's knees fat? Yeah, so, that's it, not the first time that insult has come the up. beauty pageant where right. Andy's like, your daughter has fat-ass knees. But And it comes back again. So we were like, oh, it's a joke about when she was a baby. But no, this is a thing that people gave a shit about again. They would look at each other's gams and be like, you got some pudgy-ass knees there. Not pudgy-ass legs, knees. Yeah, they were, they were, there's a weird, I, maybe, maybe Ellison or Stewart had like a knee fetish. <laughs> got no. some, pu- got some cushion for the pushing on your kneecaps. But yeah, no. So it's it's at this immediate joke. Like laugh track rolls when he says "fat knees" and wouldn't shut up. And I'm not sure who I'm supposed to be. Like it's it's a recurring thing with the Andy Griffith Show of like, where am I in relation to this joke? Who am I supposed to be laughing at and with? Right, because especially because a part big part of this episode is that like Barney's a shitty person. Like, yeah, Barney's shitty sexism is like called out in. It, is it? At, well, it's it's at least referenced at length in this episode. Yeah, no, it's addressed. I don't think it's called out. Barney is in no way punished or anything for his behavior in this episode. Also, the girl that likes that looks like Ben Franklin line, like 
I wanted to do a joke here about how, like, we live in Philadelphia and we have Ben Franklin impersonators, and those Ben Franklin impersonators lay the fucking pipe. Oh my god, I I have dated two women who have been aggressively hit on by Ben Franklin impersonators. Dude, women flock to those Ben Franklin impersonators. Wait, are the Ben... No, the Ben Franklin impersonators, I mean, they may be full of shit, but to hear them tell it, they are slaying. Okay, so Marty... We're taking a tangent. Do you... So, a Ben Franklin impersonator told you that he was getting laid... A Ben Franklin impersonator wrote in a fucking essay because I researched this. I looked it up, and what I was about to tell you is that uh, we've never had a female Ben Franklin impersonator in Philadelphia, and that needs to change. It's 2019. Mm -hmm. Get fucking with it, Philadelphia. We've never had a female Ben Franklin impersonator. I'm sure if they did, they would, like, absolutely be killing it. I wonder how many applicants there are for that. I, I don't know, man, but... Uh, then I stumbled across, like, a uh, an essay from, like, NPR of, like, a weird job. And I found, like, an essay about uh, about a Ben Franklin impersonator. And literally the headline was, I'm a Ben Franklin impersonator and women love me. I'm going- I really should not have taken that at face value. But- you really shouldn't have. Because Ben Franklin impersonators are sketchy as fucking I, Philly. I don't know, man. I've got, I gotta tell you, I think... I think that maybe they do, like, do some tourist hooking up. I'm going to say... Uh, I think they get some, some tourist action. There's probably some, like, history nerds that have a fetish for it. I should say, one of the girls I dated that was aggressively hit on by a Ben Franklin impersonator was 14 at the time. Wow! Yeah, so... Wait, hang on. Were you 14 at the time as no, well? No, no. She was telling me a story from her childhood. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, she was like, oh, yeah. Like, we were, like, walking around Old City, and she was like... Oh, yeah, one of them hit on me. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then we, like, were talking for a little while. And she was like, and I was, like, it was, like, then I had to, like, go back on the bus. And I was like, on the bus. And she was like, oh, yeah, no, it was a field trip. We were coming in on a field trip. I was like, how how old are you? And she was like, 14. I was like, how old was he? She was like, Ben Franklin age. So, <laughs> yeah, no, Ben, I'm extremely skeptical of any Ben Franklin impersonator. His job is to lie about shit. That's, that's a the, fair point. That's the entire that point is a of him. Fair point. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. It's it's also probably very in character, right? Like if you are Ben Franklin, your job is to be a horny sack of shit yeah. and to also lie about your your like myriad conquests. Yeah, a horny, gross weirdo. <laughs> uh, those were the founding fathers. God damn it! Yeah, I know you got taken in by a Ben Franklin impersonator. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah so okay so but yeah no it's the thing of like when barty says the the line about that chick's fat knees am i laughing and the laugh track goes is the laugh track laughing at barney or with him because it's like it's sort of a thing with modern like comedies when someone does a joke i'm laughing from something close to my perspective unless i'm watching like last man standing or some shit it's sort of a thing i'm trying to figure out throughout the episode of like Where am I supposed to be? Who am I supposed to be laughing with and at? And I never figure it out throughout the entire episode. So they continue to talk, basically, and uh, they figure out the only way to get these two together is basically to ambush them. Mm -hmm. So the plan is basically for 3 o'clock tomorrow, Mm -hmm. I'll take my cousin to the coffee shop, you take Andy to the coffee shop, and they'll just happen to be there. And then this, this scene goes on forever. Barney's just like, well, I here's how I'll get him to the coffee shop. God, he lays it all out in meticulous, agonizing detail. Uh, uh, let's see if I can remember. 
He says, I'll tell, I'll tell Andy, why don't we go to the coffee shop? And he'll say, what for? And I'll say, well, so we can chat and get away from work. And he'll say, well, we can do that here. And I'll give him more excuses and he'll keep making excuses. And before we know it, he'll be at the coffee shop. Old smooth operator Fife. That's what they call me. Which This I, takes a while. Yeah, and the joke is, uh, the next scene, they cut to him, to that exact exchange happening, and then at the part where he's like, and then I'll make him go to the coffee shop, he panics and just yells like, there's a date for you at the coffee shop, and Thelma Lou is going to be mad at me if you're not there! Which is a fairly solid joke. Solid gag. But it's such a long fucking walk. It's, like, it's definitely, like, not worth the... You have to do a scene preceded by stage directions for that scene. (laughs) Like, there's no, there, like, there has to be a better way to do that fucking joke. And, and so the joke is, okay, thank you for helping us skip an entire scene. Yeah, uh, a dog shit scene. Andy gets up and he's like, all right, I'll go. And, like, while he says, all right, I'll go, Barney's just throwing a fit, like, I can't believe you won't. I ask you for one favor, Bubba. Oh, you're going to go? Okay. Yeah. So then they go to the fakest coffee shop I have ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) The most, like, we slapped four set walls together. Like, they could have just used the cafeteria on the CBS back lot. Maybe that's what this is. I don't know. (laughs) The set had, like, one booth. They were like, let's go get... A booth of the many booths that are in this building, and then they just go sit down in the one. Yeah, it, it's so weird because we've given like major props to the Andy Griffith Show set design before. This yeah. one is shit. It, <laughs> yeah, no, it feels like the episode starts to dissolve as soon as it's happening, and this is one of the first points. Yeah, but uh, so basically, the big joke is like they put Andy and Karen together. Uh, they say hi, they're like, oh, let's all sit down, and then they sit down at a booth, and Andy and Thelma Lou immediately, and then Barney and Thelma Lou immediately make an excuse to fuck off. Yeah, and then they immediately disappear. Which, I, and then Andy is like, I think, I have a slight inkling that they're trying to set us up. Oh, I, I, I think so too. Which, it's like, supposed to be a cute scene, but the entire time I was watching I was like, I would be fucking furious if someone did this to me. Right. Like, you know when you do your best moves dating when you're being ambushed and surprised? Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, I will say, after like a year of watching him with Ellie, it's very weird, but also a little refreshing to see Andy talking to a woman his own fucking age. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> it's, well... I mean, okay, so he doesn't have a... Do you think he has more or less chemistry with her than Ellie? Less. Less. Significantly less. So Andy, by his... Andy Griffith, by his own admission, was not good at portraying, like, romantic affection on screen. Yeah. Uh, And that just becomes a weak point of the entire series, and they keep trying to make it happen. I think that's part of the reason why they had to get rid of the Ellie character in general. I, I from uh, what I I understand, they eventually nailed it with a later character. I guess, or maybe we just kind of settled on someone. For yeah, all I know. Uh, so yeah, they immediately live. Oh, we've got a real good animal metaphor here, Dan. You want to give us this animal metaphor? So the animal metaphor is about as subtle as a pig squealing for its supper. Which again, no, like. It's just a loud thing. You just described a loud thing. Right. Like, yeah, about as subtle as a... Uh, a, 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 a Air roar- horn? Yeah, a roaring hippo. About as subtle as uh, a cawing rooster. Like, it's not... 
I hate these fucking animal metaphors because they're all like, because they all like the laugh track every time the animal metaphor happens. Laugh track goes ape shit. The laugh track starts a fucking riot. And it's all just like, an a- it's just an animal. It's just an animal doing the normal thing for that animal to do. Breaking Mayberry listeners, you can send your best animal metaphors to at the Luds, that's Dan directly on Twitter, and at Break Mayberry. Send us your best animal metaphors and I will make Dan read them all on the air. Yeah, I guess. I, 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 I'm defeated enough, fuck it. So, anyway, these two kind of flirt, alright, and they have a good little, like, meet cute. They say, so, should we get married before the coffee or after the coffee? And she's like, I believe in long engagements, so we'll do it after the cup. It's all right, whatever. Andy rebounds effectively. Yeah, fine. Uh, Dan, while we were, I, I, I gotta say how you described this episode before we were getting ready, which is 25 minutes without a joke. It's <laughs> incredible how jokeless this episode is. So if, if you're like listening right now and you're amazed at how fast we're moving through these scenes, normally we take longer. There's nothing to analyze. There's, it's fucking incredible how vacuous this episode is. There's, Long stretches, long stretches that are just two people having a very normal conversation. Andy and Karen do jokes. Like, they do they do a little back and forth. They are absolutely nothing better than, like, you could come up with on a date. Sure. Like, I mean, I guess maybe that's the charm. I don't know. Maybe that's the appeal. I maybe. guess. I, I don't I'm, know. I mean, I've always, like, I think one of the reasons we get, like, so negatively and positively emotionally attached to this show is oftentimes the writing is so bad that it does not feel like I'm watching a television show. It feels like I'm watching a group of people sitting in a room. And that's why I get so mad when they do something irrational because I'm like, person I'm looking at. And it's it's so weird because modern television, at least for a little while in the 90s, was like really trying to capture that feeling of like people in your room. Yeah. and and still today, girls, girls yeah. tried to do that a lot. Like really tried to capture the idea of like what it would be like to sit around a living room. And their like fake attempts at it were so used to. Yeah. But seeing pe- someone actually succeed at it sucks. It's terrible. <laughs> it's Cause, terrible. Because I'm just like. We, we did this 60 years ago. Turns out it sucks. We don't need to do it anymore. People watch television because it's not like the people in your living room. No, yeah. Watch, like, sitting around watching a bunch of people behave pr- actually pretty normally, like, like the way people actually behave, is terrible fucking entertainment. It's really <laughs> boring and frustrating because you're not, like, when, when a character on a TV show does something that doesn't make sense, I can be like, Oh, this is part of that character's arc. See, he's going to learn from that later, and it'll sort of make up a nice symmetry. And just watching this, I'm like, this character's doing something irrational and stupid. Maybe he'll be punished for it. Maybe the guy next to him will be punished for it, because life is random. (laughs) (laughs) And there is no fucking God. Thank you for reminding me of that, the Andy fucking Griffith show. Hold on, hold that thought. Yeah. We're gonna get to it later. I'm getting worked up. Yeah, yeah. So, the next scene is back at the jail. Um, Barney's being like real up in the 80s business about like, huh? Huh? What happened? Huh? Huh? How'd it go? How'd it go? Huh? 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 Uh, and he makes a joke like, well, we had coffee and then we got married. Yeah. And then obviously they did not get married, although that would have been like at least a plot. But he says, no, we really hit it off and we're gonna go on a date. And we're going to go crow shooting tomorrow. And And Barney freaks out, like, crow shooting? You can't go crow shooting on a date. And then Andy does something that, like, I think makes perfect sense for, like, a a first date, which is 
I was going to go crow shooting anyway, so I asked her if she wanted to come. Like, yeah. I feel like that's how a lot of dates are. Like, or, you know, I'm going to this thing. You want to you wanna go? Yeah. No, it, it's fine. A perfectly normal thing. And then Barney's like, all right, fine, I guess, whatever. I, I guess, like, it's, it's sort of indicating, like, Andy's kind of, like, general laconic attitude towards the entire thing where he's not like you, you I, I guess you can read this as like this is andy not trying too hard to impress this woman like yeah she just conveniently comes in around his plans yeah no he's just like i'm doing uh i'm gonna continue doing my normal routine do you want to join for my normal routine i mean we don't see if he's like you can come crow shooting with me or we can get dinner so yeah. which again is not a bad thing obviously yeah. it's, it's i mean for a first kind of date or whatever that's a very normal thing to do Again, this is all extremely normal. Yeah, incredibly uh, normal, mind-blowingly normal. Uh, so then we go over to Thelma Lou's house where uh, they're reviewing Karen, yeah, the date plans. We do the exact same scene over again, essentially, yeah. uh, with one exception. Uh, when they mention the crow shooting, Thelma Lou says to Karen, "Oh, I guess you told him that you're a skeet shooting champion. That's the key bit of information." Mm-hmm. And Karen's like, eh, it didn't really come up. How? How did that not come up? That's, like, again, yeah, there's the whole premise that he never asked, but, all right, so, hey. Keep that in mind, this this is a big thing, is that he never asked about her shooting ability. But then again, it's also very, very weird that when, the instant he said, I'm going to go crow shooting, she didn't say, oh, I'm a skeet shooting champion. Okay, so let's do this fucking exchange. So, hey, I'm Andy Griffith. Uh, so, conversation, conversation, conversation. Uh, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm going crow shooting. Yeah, I love sh- crow shooting. I love shooting. Uh, I'm gonna go. Do you want to come with? Like, how? Yeah, no. Do you do you want to come crow shooting with me? Yeah, I love shooting. I'm actually a, a shooting champ. Yeah, no, even if he's just like, like, how would he have possibly bulldozed through the conversation enough where she couldn't feasibly mention that she's incredible at shooting? And and the thing is, Ellison and Stewart bend over backwards to find excuses for her not to say this. Yeah. They, they like, this, this is like the crux of the entire episode is that Andy is underestimating her and like being a little sexist and just mansplaining a lot of the shooting stuff to her. But she has multiple opportunities to tell him and does not take it. It's kind of one of those things where uh, the the Andy Griffith show has a scene that they want to do. And the scene bef- uh, in the episode before us was uh, they open the vault and Andy Griffith is in the vault. Right. This episode, it's the skeet shooting com- uh, competition where he finds out that she's an incredible shooter. And then around that scene, that scene is like the Minotaur, and they have to build a fucking labyrinth of a script around it to make it function. Like, they they have to build this insane, like, house of mirrors to make that scene make any goddamn sense. Uh, Including one line, which we'll get to later, that's just like, what the absolute fuck? Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, they go out on their date. Uh, That's the next scene. They drive out to this, like, field or whatever, and... Uh, there's one thing that kind of looks like a joke, yeah. Uh, which is that they're out in the middle of a field, and Karen says it's real pretty out here, and Andy says, "Oh yeah, hey, you see that rock out there that looks like an eagle? We call that Eagle Rock. It's like an Adult Swim dad joke. Like it's like some weird postmodern dad <laughs> yeah, joke. It, it, it's really an anti-gag. Yeah, like, it, it's the it's the first anti-gag." But yeah, no, it's, 
so yeah it's so we're already off to a dog shit start it was they make a big show of like andy is being nice but in sort of a buffoonish misogynistic way yeah yeah it's kind of like uh like a southern hospitality but also like a real like weird masculinity thing he won't let her carry anything when he does agree to let her carry any any something he's like oh that uh, there's a thermos in there that leaks don't let it get any of your pretty dress it's clear that he like wants to show off like his shooting ability and uh like he fires, he misses the first time, he says, ah, he blames the sights. Yeah. Know, he says that things must be off. Uh, he doesn't give her a chance. And there's a couple of moments, like, there's one moment where she, like, goes to tell him, she's like, oh, Andy, but then he fires. Yeah. And he, like, he, like, gets real mansplaining, like, oh, make sure you cover your ears and stuff. Yeah. Like, you're gonna hurt your delicate ears. Right, right. Yeah. Which is, yeah, pretty mansplaining, but also, like, again... Not a real unfair assumption on Andy's part. And he keeps, like, like it, it's a little obnoxious that he keeps going, like, you're so pretty. Like He's, he's like, you know, I always thought that these, uh, that these planes are the most beautiful they could be. But then I saw you in them. And it's like, uh, like, he's just, like, like, pauses shooting to call her pretty and then just starts blasting shotguns at crows again. Yeah, and missing. Yeah, which I think we're supposed to be, like, judging him as, like, a being a corny prick. Because <laughs> he is, like, barely paying attention to her until he occasionally looks up and be like, Hey, you're hot. Blam! 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 I can't hit these fucking crows! <laughs> I will say, though, like, we, we all do have, like, stupid things that we choose to, like, try to impress. I, in college, I took a bullshit fuck-off course that was a wine-tasting course. Yeah, yeah, you're giving me a weird face, but, like, it was, like, a bullshit elective, and I... You went to the school and community? (laughs) Yeah, kinda. Uh, No, I took a wine-tasting course. It was a bullshit fuck-off elective. I just needed one more. I was done with everything. I just needed one more class to get financial aid. So I took a wine-tasting course, and it was a stupid course taught by an adjunct professor who also owned the wine shop in town, and, uh... He, like, I, I learned a little bit. I don't think I can do a, like, whole lot of, like, fancy mm-hmm. wine. But I, I learned basically how to buy a good, cheap wine. I learned how to do that. Which is a great skill when you're single and dating someone. Because I used to, like, use that to impress, like, women that I was dating. Until I started dating my current girlfriend, Sarah, who knows a lot more about <laughs> wine than I do. <laughs> Did not impress her one bit whatsoever. And it was this scene right here. Like... I I got I used the like three terms that I knew, which were like tannins, breathing, and uh, champagne grapes or whatever. And she was like, "Cool." So here's everything I know. And I said, "All right, I'm gonna stop now. This didn't work at all." See, I'm, how is this woman my girlfriend? I am the exact opposite way. Where if I'm good at a thing, a girl I'm I'm dating will not see me do that thing until several months into the relationship. Like, I will keep her as far away from a thing. Because I know that I would be in this exact same situation where I'd be blaming the sights of my shotgun. Like, if I if I tried to... Im- anytime I would try to, like, impress a girl with, uh, uh, with, with any sort of, like, physical or skill-based activity, it would immediately go to shit. I am paralyzed by the fear of this exact scene in dating. I mean, also, you have no talent, so... I have many talents. <laughs> Do not ask me to name a single one of them. Uh, alright, so they go back, the date ends, and this is the bullshit line. So we go back to Thelma Lou's house, Karen is inside, and Thelma Lou is asking about the date. By the way, I think this is the most fucking lines Thelma Lou has ever had. Uh, 
And so she's asking Karen about the date, and she says, so did you tell Andy that you were a skeet shooting champion? And she was like, eh, I never did. And then she says, I was fine with it. He didn't treat me like a crack shot. He treated me like a lady, and I liked it. Yeah, so that line makes the overall moral of this episode very weird. I don't, it, this is like, I would understand to a pretty solid degree what, like. Yeah, well, like what she would be upset about if it was all about her, him underestimating her. I, this, yeah, this line makes the entire, like, bet moral bend of the episode confusing because when, during her big speech early, like later in the episode where she's like, you shouldn't have judged me. You shouldn't have like, like doubted on me. Like I was a lady. I, I, well, did, does she yell at him for doting on her? Like, like she no, she, she doesn't yell at him for that. She yells at him for something. You're that's, that's right. She yells similar, at him. but not like a hundred percent the same. I it's yeah. It's like a weird, like misogynist point that, uh, that she's that they slip into, I guess, like this weird sort of proto-feminist idea it's of the episode. So strange. So yeah, remember she says that she didn't mind this because she liked being treated like a lady instead of a crack shot. She liked which not makes being me treated like a capable individual. She found that charming. Which makes me wonder how are the men in Arkansas treating you? It's honestly, I feel like they initially wrote this, and the moral was like. You should have assumed that I was a capable woman. Uh, and then someone with a red pen got their hands on it and be like, well, fuck that moral. The moral needs to be don't judge people, not don't assume women can't do things because that can't be on television. Uh, why, why would you assume that anyone that you meet just on the street is just like capable of shooting crows. I would that should be a natural assumption for you. Anyway, you spend all your time with a guy who shoots holes in his pants on a regular basis. You know, I will say you should live your life assuming that everyone you know is a crack shot with a pistol or shotgun just because that time that you do meet that person, you'll want to have assumed that. I mean, we do live in America. Yeah, we do live in America. You should always be preparing for every person you meet to just light you up. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Uh all right, so we go back to uh, the jail where, like, Barney's pacing around and Andy enters and Barney, like, starts to interrogate, like, and he specifically starts to whistle the wedding theme. He's like, so, did you have a good time? You think maybe you two are gonna, nah, 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 nah. It's been one fucking date, Barney. Which, okay, so, I want to bring this up. What do Barney and Thelma Lou think is going to fucking happen here? Because she is not from this state. Yeah, she lives in Arkansas. She lives in Arkansas. What is their most optimistic plan? That she's going to uproot her entire life in Arkansas, where she is a champion at something, and move to fucking Mayberry to date a guy on... To go on the third date with this motherfucker. Like, what is the plan here? I mean, yeah. Are, okay, I guess. Yes, that's, that's exactly it. <laughs> that's so stupid. It would be one thing if she was like, oh, it's my cousin visiting from three towns over. Then it's, but like, are they going to be pen pals? <laughs> are they going to write each other erotic yeah, but, letters like James fucking Joyce? Yeah, they, they, they can't like send selfies. Yeah. You know? No, like she's like, oh, I, uh. I, I, I really like this guy. I think before we start doing over-the-pants stuff, I'm going to buy some real estate in Mayberry. 
It's so fucking dumb. It doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> Erotic pen pal. <laughs> they're, they're going to James Joyce the fuck out of each Dearest other. Dearest Karen, enclosed please find a picture of my fine genitals. It took Danny down at the Photoshop an hour to get it right. But it was, it was worth it for you. Dearest Karen, I have pressed my penis against the paper and traced it. You know, like children's do with hand turkeys. I have also put a little face on it. Please masturbate to this at your leisure. Yours sincerely, Andy Griffith. <laughs> so yeah, you know, it's a super stupid plan from the get-go that is based off of a fun, like, I, I, the, the, the best case scenario is Andy, Andy and Karen fuck, like, twice. Yeah, right? Yeah, that's the, that's the most, like, it's weird that they're talking wedding bells. Anyway, so so Andy says he wants to talk to her a little bit. He says, I'm going to talk to her a little bit when she comes over for supper tonight. And then Aunt B's going to talk to her a little bit. And we're going to see how she measures up. So Andy does say this. He yeah. gets yelled at for this later. But he does say that he's going to, like, learn. But what he's also saying is, I'm going to learn more about the girl I'm dating. Yeah. It's weird that he puts it in the context of measuring up. And it's weird that he says that Aunt B is going to do it. But it's also, like, entirely Barney's fault. He's, but he also, a weird thing about it is he's like, so I'm going to, uh, to have her over for dinner. Introduce her to Aunt B. <laughs> like, he's like, like, oh, I'm, I'm really gonna bring out my rainmaker, Aunt B, who's going to seal this deal for me. I'm gonna bring in this old spinster. He's, he's not like, she's gonna meet my son, who she'll love. She's gonna be like, She's going to meet my son. Also, you ready for this? Aunt B. Oh, right. Yeah. No, we're going to bring the B into this. What? Does, does Aunt B, like, spike the fried chicken <laughs> with Spanish fly or something? Yeah. What the fuck is... What does this mean? No one gets the ladies hot and bothered like Aunt B. <laughs> so, we're at Andy's house for dinner, and uh, they've had it, and they're again, everyone's talking about Aunt B's wonderful cooking. But There's they always great do. fucking pie. Yeah, whatever. They, like they, they say pie, like boysenberry pie. I don't remember. Can't, I don't remember the type of pie. Opie like attaches to this woman immediately. Wants her to read him a story. He's like bouncing up and down. Please, maternal figure. I'm desperate for one. I'm neglected. <laughs> Opie's pretty cute in this scene, to be honest. Like o- Opie is friggin' adorable. I feel like he's too old to ask a stranger to read him a story. Yeah, that's true. I, he's seven years old. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a child psychologist. And I am. <laughs> I say it's too old. Opie should goddamn know better. Andy slipped him a five to, to be like, hey, here's some money. Ask her to read you a story. She's going to think it's cute as shit. Uh, and Aunt B says, do you like little boys? That's Which true. is a weird thing to say. But, like, she's really saying, like, hey, will you ma- will you be maternal? Will you take care of this little kid so, that, so, that, so that Aunt like B that? can get hers? It's, do you like kids, Aunt Children, yeah. Are you a fan of children? Not like, do you like little boys? Like, fuck. I have one roasting in the oven. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Do you like little boys? There are several buried in the fruit cellar that we could dig up for you. God, oh, yeah. So weird. No, Epi is deep. This whole scene that follows... As soon as Opie leaves, because Andy is like, okay, oh, okay, Opie, she's not reading you a story. Get the fuck out of here. And Opie's like, all right, goodbye. Why did you give me five dollars then? <laughs> Ron Howard cashed his check. I'm out. Peace. Uh, but yeah, Opie bounces. And then the scene gets so deeply and profoundly creepy 
Like, there's a couple episodes, like, episodes before where, like, I have a scene that I have trouble getting past. This was that scene for this episode where it's just, like, I kept having to, like, turn it off and put other shit on. It, it, yeah, because this scene keeps going. Like, basically, it's literally just, like, Karen noticing something in the room and then Andy and or Aunt B going, Do you like that? Do you like that? Like, she she sees a book. Like, oh, this is a book. And she's like, and Andy goes, I'm reading that mystery. Do you like mysteries? Do you like that? Is that a what? thing you're into? It's, well, it's, every single time, it's Karen starts a conversation, and Andy's like, oh, I have shit to say about that conversation, and then Aunt B immediately bun- jumps in with like, do you want to talk about a different thing? Hey, it's Aunt B, I'm just going to abruptly conversation change, I'm bailing out of this, po- like, promising conversation topic. I, I, is, I, is this shit that goes on? Like, I feel like maybe I've been the guy on this date who's just like, in fact, I know I've been the guy on the date that's just like... I have stuff to say! <laughs> I am not that guy because I'm just like, please, God, I'll just comment politely on anything. I'll have, some, like, three or four funny things about the half hour that you talk. <laughs> Honestly, Andy is doing a good job on this date because they, like, they find mutual interests and Andy is like, oh, I want to talk about that mutual interest. I have thoughts. And then, Aunt, like, they're, they're talking about mystery novels and how much they love mystery novels. And Aunt Beach is like, so, how, what do you think of that pie I made earlier? And, and, and she, like, very subtly is just like, do you like music? Yeah. Because Andy plays the guitar. I, the- hey, guys. Hey, uh, Andy Griffith show viewers. Did you know that Andy Griffith played the guitar? <clears throat> it's the first time that Andy is not the person that's like, hey, who wants to hear me play the guitar? Andy is like, oh, no, it's... It's kind of a weird situation for me to play the guitar, and Ampy is like, play the fucking guitar, Ampy. Play it. Play it. And do like, you want to die alone, or do you want to play a goddamn guitar right now? I really, I think this is all about Aunt B wanting there to be another woman in the fucking house to take care of Opie, <laughs> so that Aunt B can go and get hers. Yeah. Right. Aunt, well, as we'll see in a couple of episodes, Aunt B is horny. Aunt B is violently horny. Aunt B needs, needs to be out on the town. Aunt B is trying to get her rocks off for the most of season two, uh... It's, yeah, no. And she can't do it because she's got this, like, shitty little yelling redheaded charge. I need backup. Aunt B suggests they play a song called Sourwood Mountain, and Karen says, oh, I know that one. And then they play and sing Sourwood Mountain forever. For the duration of the song. Forever. The the entire, this scene felt like years. I, upon the third viewing of this episode, because I've seen it three times. Yeah. (laughs) I did notice that uh, Gail Davis is doing something pretty cool on, like, if you watch her face, after about the third line, her eyes kind of start shifting around the room. Like, how long is this going to go on? Like, where is this, where is this heading? She starts to, like, look around and gives the, like, what the hell is going on here face. Or maybe that was me projecting onto her. It could have been both. If I were Karen in this, on this date, I would be operating at this point on a 100% certainty that I was going to be fucking murdered. Oh, yeah. This is a very weird... This is... This Although, this isn't the first date we've seen in this show where it's like, all right, let's sit down with a paternal or maternal figure. Like, let's sit down with an older person who's going to sit and 
Give us conversational prompts. Is that just what dating was in 1961? Andy is 45 years old. I like, think it's I think it's like no no other age. You have like old people who act as game show hosts. Like, come on down to the Aunt B show where we'll answer quiz questions and see how compatible we are. I mean, I want an actual answer to that. Is that what dating was in 1961? Please, if you know the answer, breakingmayberry at gmail.com. Or I, we could have Googled it. Fuck that. We could have done any research before this episode. Next day, Barney enters Thumbaloo's house, and he says, we've sent a romantic spaceship into orbit! Like, they're very excited about how hooked Andy and Karen are on each other. Andy does, has so far shown moderate enthusiasm. He's just been like, yeah, she's cool. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Really, all he's kind of said is, I'd like to learn more about her. He's really bringing college freshman energy to this dating. Like, he's just like, yeah, no, I, I, she wants to chill. I'm down to chill. I'm I'm still kind of, like, looking around, but I, Karen's cool. I like Karen. <laughs> and Barney's like, he's in love! When, yeah, when, when really all he really was like, yeah, no, she's down to clown. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, I feel like... I feel like some shit could happen. Um, yeah, yeah, we, we we might. But I'm keeping my options open. You know, I'm uh, there's there's a cute girl in my no one class. no one can tie down the the Andy Taylor. <laughs> no one no one gets past the sheriff. Yeah. No one can no one can contain the raw sexual magnetism of Andy Taylor. Hey, I got a beauty contest to judge this week. <laughs> so, oh god, yeah, no, cannot put a ring on this finger. Karen comes in and. Uh, Barney being as boisterous as he is on Andy's behalf, being Andy's hype man as he normally is doing. Yeah. It's just like, woo, Karen, you hooked up a mighty big fish. You really passed the muster. You really, like, aced the exam. You really were being tested. You really, I cannot stress this enough, answered all of the questions right that you were supposed to. You were very much being checked out, prodded, poked, and auditioned on that night. I need to, like, keep emphasizing how much you were being proctored in an exam. I cannot emphasize this enough. Hey, I'm making subtext text. (laughs) I'm not blinking the entire time. So that's it. Like, Karen gets pissed, rightfully so, at what Barney has said. She's just like, I was being auditioned? And yeah, you fucking were. Did you not pick up on that? Like. yeah, you were being quizzed. Like, did you did you not notice that every single time this octogenarian kept asking you <laughs> questions? Like, was like tw- try basically doing like Guantanamo Bay interrogation techniques to find <laughs> out your fucking deal. Yeah, you know. just just fucking strapped you to a board and then yelled, "Have you ever considered raising a child of your own?" What kind of maternal figure would you describe yourself as? What is your favorite flower? What is your favorite flower? The pain will stop when you tell me what your long-term plans are. When when Barney says, you hook yourself a mighty big trout, the first time I watched this scene, I was like, all right, so he's about to be a huge asshole while talking about how great Andy is. Sure. And he's just like, and he just goes in the weirdest possible direction of like, Andy, Andy, like, like, makes it sound like fucking Zardoz, where it's like, Andy, the Andy has judged you, and you have been found worthy. Like, yeah, so yeah, we- that's exactly what he talks like. Yeah. So, yeah, she obviously gets really upset about this. Uh, by the way, Thelma Lou the entire time is being like, Barney, shut the fuck yeah, up. Yeah, she's like, Barney, you have to go out on fucking patrol. Like, Barney, leave. Barney, shut up. That line, like, Barney, you have to go out on fucking patrol. I'm only, like, the fucking is the only editorialized. I'm just like, Barney, you have to go out on... Patrol. 
Like it. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, good, good work for uh, Betty Lynn who plays Thumbaloo. We should do a quick shout out. Betty Lynn kicks ass. I love this actress. Yeah, she's so good and really just underutilized. I think. Yeah, no, Thumbaloo is a dog shit character who is absolutely pointless. I think they're ju- she's just in this show so that people don't think that Barney is gay. Uh, <laughs> and. The actress, absolutely, like she's given. She's like, the so, finest beard. She, <laughs> she is given scraps, and this actress like takes, like grabs those, and just like like wrestles them as like I'm going to squeeze every bit of pathos out of. Oh, good job, Barney, as I can. Andy calls, and he's gonna ask her on a date, and she's gonna shoot him down. She's gonna turn him down, but that's when Barney pops up and says. No, don't you know what he's going to do? He's going to take you to the skeet shooting competition so that he can show off how good of a of shot he is. It really cannot, this entire thing, like, one, Barney is very clearly, like, she's like, Andy, I don't want to go on a date with you. After the thing Barney just said, and Barney just runs up like, why would you say that? No, right. you don't understand. You'll hurt his feelings. And it's like, where do you think? we are what do you think is happening you little shit (laughs) you did this this is on you she just shot him down it's like no you don't understand you can't shoot him down he'll be upset not even he's not barney's not even like he'll be upset barney's like he'll be less than happy why would you say no it it really like feels like they're in an abusive relationship like barney's like he'll take it out on me I honestly, I want Andy to take it out on him. I just wanted him to be hurt this episode so bad. There happens to be, conveniently, a skeet shooting competition in Mayberry, which, I don't know, maybe you would mention to your cousin that is visiting from Arkansas. That there's a skeet shooting competition! <laughs> just maybe you should have, you would have brought that up, like, it feels like that would have been what she was there for. Yeah! No, if they, she had been in town for the skeet shooting competition, this would make a billion times more that sense. That would have been writing. That would have been writing. Like she came into town to shoot skeet, not to go see the scenic, I guess, one lake of Mayberry. She's got to see that one rock that kind of looks like an eagle. Yeah, that she, they put on postcards. She's got to come to a town that aggressively has nothing going on and come see their booming moonshining industry. <laughs> Yeah, just dumb as shit. No, that would have been writing. That would have made fucking sense. Like she, the big reveal could have been like, "Oh, you, you never asked why I was in Mayberry. I'm here for the skeet shooting competition." But no, she's fully unaware of the skeet shooting competition until it's brought up by Barney, and it's just ah annoying. So we're at the competition next, and everybody's talking about how Andy's the favorite. He's gonna win. It's a weird series of lines where Barney's like, "You're gonna win, Andy." And then Ampy's like, you're going to win, Andy. And then Opie's like, you're going to win, Pa! And like, like, like strangers in the crowd are like, Andy's going to win. Andy's, Andy's going to win. Andy's going to win. He's going to win. Like, he's going to win. And Andy's like, I don't know about that. It's really fucking creepy. What is, it reminded me of like, uh, like Gaston. Gaston. Yeah. I was thinking about like, like the, the rats in the restaurant at the Muppets Take Manhattan just whispering through the like, how good everything is. It's, it's a very, like, everyone's just like, it's creepy. It's like fucking David Lynch shit. Like, just everyone fawning over Andy as he's just like, well, I don't know. Yeah, it's, right, right, right. Yeah. So, and I, I guess, I mean, I don't know. I feel like a lot more people have a lot more shooting experience than Andy Taylor does you're, in this town. Like, you're in the South. Like, every, people are constantly shooting, like, 
shotguns everywhere. The, the, On the other hand, though, we've seen that, like, people just fire randomly into the air. They don't actually try to hit anything. You're in North Carolina. The hills are allowed... The hills are alive with the sound of buckshot. Like, it's... Andy doesn't carry a gun. He spends all of his time not carrying a gun, and everyone else in Mayberry is just firing guns wildly into trees most of the day. Yeah, I don't know why Andy's considered the favorite here, other than, like, it's the show's named after him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so... Karen sneaks away and she registers, like, same day. Uh, North Carolina, you can register for a skeet shooting competition five minutes before it starts, but you cannot register to vote on the same day. <laughs> Just, uh, Topical. So she registers and, uh, he's very surprised that he's gonna be shooting against her. And he is a massive prick about yeah. it. Cause he's like, Karen, there's still time for you to not embarrass yourself. You're gonna hurt your delicate little ears. And she's like, eat shit and die, you fucking asshole. Right. So mm. Barney's upset about this. Karen obviously starts whooping Andy's ass. Words cannot convey the face that Don Knotts has chosen to make during this scene cuz it is profoundly upsetting. He does like his his mouth becomes such a perfect you like like upside down you that it's like it looks like fucking droopy dog and <laughs> It hurts to look at. It's such, like, a blindingly upsetting image. Again, I just want someone to kick his ass. Right. And, 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 and Barney even figures that Andy must be losing on purpose. And to yeah. which Aunt B and Thelma Lou say, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like, Thelma Lou just, like, says, like, Barney, I am surprised with you. And that's it. That's, that's the most punishment that Barney gets. And, and Andy says something like, why didn't you shoot the crows while we were out there? And uh, Karen says, you didn't offer. And again, like, was he supposed to? It should be, it should be made very clear. This entire part, Andy is doing a pretty good job, and Karen is just annihilating him. Right, right. The the final score is 23 to 25. Yeah. And apparently 25 is a perfect score. So. Yeah. Uh, so everybody congratulates, right? And, uh, so Karen wins. That's, Annie Oakley has won the competition, essentially. Yeah. So Barney, like, Takes the trophy away from her, which you can't do that. Like Andy's been like, all right, everyone's already left, and and like she's being given the trophy. Barney runs and be like, "You've been embarrassed enough for one day," and everyone's (laughs) gone. (laughs) My favorite thing is that like as soon as the trophy hit his hand, everyone's just like, "Well, bye," and they just like no one hung around. No one gives a shit. No one's like, "Well, congratulations" or whatever. No, everyone just like. Or, or they're all just slightly off frame. They're yeah. not invested in this. They're just like, well, that passed the time before I die. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, that, this is one afternoon I didn't have to think about myself. Like, but yeah, no, Barney like comes up and tries to steal the trophy away from her. Uh, and is like, talks about how she has the absolute unmitigated gall to. Oh, wait, that, that comes up in a sec. Oh, so yeah. here's, so here's the, uh, the, Bit where like Andy gets upset and uh, she tells him off. So I'll, I'll play a clip. Well, here. Andy oh. doesn't really get upset. Andy, that's the the thing that's really weird about it is Andy doesn't get offended or hurt or upset. Yeah, anyway. Andy's just confused. Andy just kind of stands there and and she's like, and Barney talks a bunch of shit about how she's being an asshole, and then she says. I hope you're satisfied, Miss City Slicker. Trying to make a fool out of Andy in front of the whole town. Barney. I was just trying to show Andy how much we really have in common. You did want to know all about me, didn't you? Well, I get... Well, now you know. But do you know something, Andy? I don't think I really and truly know all there is to know about you. 
Let's see now. You do like music. Well, I... well do you like opera, modern, classical? I, I could... And books. Do you like fiction or nonfiction? Who's your favorite American author? I, uh... Oh, and please, just tell me one thing. Do you think you could ever make a living at anything besides sheriffing? I hope you don't mind my asking you all these questions, but you see, these are things that I really and truly have to know so that I can evaluate you properly. You know, pass muster. Now, just a minute. What are you trying to do here? Well, it's all very simple. When Mr. Taylor gave me the thrill and honor of okaying me as worthy of his attentions, I thought it would be awfully nice if I could award him the same thrill. I'll tell you, Mr. Taylor. I'll consider all of your qualities, and I'll let you know if you made the grade. Of all the unmitigated gall. Yeah. I sure had it. You? Yes, sir. Everything that she dished out, I had coming. I don't even know what's going on here. Again, Andy just stands there through all this. And then Barney says a bunch of pissy bullshit about, uh, specifically saying, like, well, by all the absolute unmitigated gall after she storms away. And Andy says, yep, I sure had it. And then, like, basically, like, oh, yeah, he's admitting that it's his fault. And then he walks away. And then Barney just sort of goes like, ah! Like, just kind of, like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, like, I guess, like, Andy was a little bit of an asshole. And, and you know, a lot of assumptions. But it really feels like he was getting, like, the ass-kicking that should have been Barney. Yeah, no, that's the thing that drives me insane. It's like, all right. Andy was just kind of, like, being thoughtless. He wasn't being an asshole. He didn't really make, like, assumptions, which he should have gotten punished for being sort of a thoughtless, misogynistic clod. But at no point did he, like, assert anything. Oh, to, to be fair. Barney was being actively misogynistic. To be fair to Karen, she didn't know who Barney Fife is. She has no reason to doubt this man. She was hearing Barney Fife recite what she thought were Andy's views. So maybe, like, in, in her defense, but that doesn't explain why Andy's like, well, I guess I'll just take the brunt of this punishment. No, all right, I'm not, like, mad at, like, the decisions of Karen, the character. I'm I'm confused at, like, the decisions of the writers of this show because they pick, like, it, it, like, Andy gets chewed out, like, three fucking times. And, uh, like, Karen, like, comes back to keep, like, screaming at him. Also, one one of the things that she says is just like, well, I know you like music. What kind of music do you know? I know you like books. Do you like fiction or nonfiction? It's like, you were talking about a mystery book. You talked about a book. And she says, like, could you make any money at anything other than sheriffing? Like, she comes the fuck at him. Which, again, like, she has, like, all this animosity that is, based off of the things that have happened to her, extremely justified. She does not yell at the motherfucker who just tried to steal her fucking trophy. Like, right. <laughs> a guy just tried to yank the trophy out of her hands, and she's like, I don't. I still don't know who you are. You! Guy <laughs> who has just been standing here absentmindedly and has been sort of like, like misogynistic, but in a very, not benign, but sort of like laconic. Like, a guy who's been you laconic. You who doesn't, guy who doesn't really seem to care about anything that's happening right yeah. now. Guy who has not given a shit about a single thing that has happened this episode. I'm going to tear you a new asshole. This guy who is actively calling me a slut, 
I'm going to ignore him. I just noticed that you have a note here that is in all caps. It says, Barney learns nothing and is not punished in any way. He isn't, and he doesn't. No, there's no reason for Barney to still have a girlfriend at the end of this. Like, Thumbaloo no. should have dumped his ass. No, yeah, he, Barney starts the episode thinking that women are inherently inferior, ends the episode thinking that women are inherently inferior. Like, Andy does, Andy does his big speech about how, like, he shouldn't have judged. No, 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 no. Andy does not do a big speech. Oh, you're Andy right. has a line. He says, everything that she said, I had coming. Then he says, hey, Karen, wait up. And presumably he said something fucking amazing off yeah. screen. Because she is not mad at him in the next scene. Whatever he said or did to get out of trouble, they didn't feel like writing. And we're just left to assume that it was all, because everything is fine the next I have no idea what he possibly could have said or done to fix this. So we don't actually have any resolution to this conflict. And, and, he runs off and he's like, hey, Karen. And he does that amazing speech. And Barney is standing there like... Assuming so. We we assume he did an amazing speech. But Barney, like, Andy runs off having learned his lesson for his relatively minor transgression. And Barney is just standing there like, what the fuck? Like, Barney, like, ends his, like... But Andy, why are you not taking my side? I still believe everything I believed at the start of this episode, if if not more. I yeah. So I, I just I want to know what 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 did we miss? What did Andy do to fix this? It, we don't get to know. It, it seriously feels like uh like something almost like biblical, like like Barney did a fucking murder, and then God's lightning bolt struck Andy Griffith as he's standing next to him, <laughs> like like. The prodigal fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, Barney did like this, this profound act of misogyny. And then Andy, who is just kind of like the tool that he did that misogyny with is just lit the fuck up. <laughs> just machine gunned down. And Andy is like at every, like at, at immediately is like, yep, nope, I had all that coming. And Barney's like, no, you didn't, and neither did I. And also, here's some things about women voting I have opinions on. Cut to black. (laughs) It's so fucking weird. And that's the episode. That's the end of the episode. The next next scene is just like the after-credits stinger, and it's really what, if you were in 1961, you were waiting for, which is they gave her a pistol, which is what, you know, Annie Oakley would have had. So, and... She does some bottle shooting. Yeah, she blasts all the bottles. And then the big joke is like, Barney's like, oh, well, you know, you had time to aim. You know what? Let's, I'm not even going to say what happens at the end of this. You you listen to this show enough. You know what Barney Fife does here. Barney is embarrassed. But the thing is, like, and I, I, I might accept it as, like, Barney's comeuppance in some way. If it didn't happen five times a fucking episode that Barney in a way that involves guns, embarrasses himself. It's the stinger any time that they, they're like, all right, shit, it's been three minutes and we haven't had a joke. All right, get, come up with an excuse for Barney to try to use his gun. Yeah. And that's it. And he, you're right, it's not his comeuppance. Everyone's just like, well, Barney, you did that thing that you just always did. Yeah. You know? No, he, he, he is subjected to the same amount of embarrassment that that happens literally every episode. You know, it, they treat like shooting a gun into your foot the same way to be like, hey, like, if his fly was unzipped. He hits his foot this time. He definitely he, does. That bullet went into his foot. Yeah. The, the angle was into his fucking ankle. Like, it's incredible. 
Yeah, yeah, he definitely yeah. does. I'm starting to wonder if he just has a BB gun. Like, yeah. how is that man not constantly in the hospital? But it, it really does feel like, like they because he walks on it. He walks yeah. away on it immediately. No, the smoke happens and then he immediately walks on it. It's they must have just like a cap in there or something. No, but you see like like a puff of smoke come up on like on his foot. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um. But all right, and so, that's it. Yeah, end that's of the it. episode. And by the way, end of that character. We never see Karen ever again. I don't know why Gail Davis wasn't working that time. The show he was on was already canceled. They could have kept, kept having her on, but uh, no one no one cared. I mean, I mean, she had to go back to Arkansas. I guess to get the she she had to very justifiably put this piece of shit town in her rear view. Yeah, all right, Karen. I hope that you had a wonderful life in Arkansas. God. Please, please send us your Karen Davis fanfics. <laughs> but what? No, don't open that door. They'll be so weird. Uh, but yeah, no, so, I mean, the moral of this story is, so I guess the moral of the story is don't judge someone that you're dating. Don't be, don't be- Wait, no, that's a horrible moral. I I guess that's the best I can put, because is it anything about fucking gender? I, I, because they they very specifically went out of their way to avoid it being about gender, because she said that she liked being treated like a lady. Yeah. Those that line throws everything into conflict he about this. He didn't learn anything about women or what women are able to do. Really, the the moral of the story, her big speech is like, "You judged me, and whether or not I'm good enough to date you, and you didn't think about whether or not you were good enough to date me." So that's not a gender lesson. That's uh, but a, it's but it's not not gendered either, right? Like, I guess it could be gendered like i guess so i watched this episode with my girlfriend Mm -hmm. and uh the way she described it was basically like she actually kind of liked it it's a almost a play on that stereotype of like women have like a checklist like he's got to be this and he's got to be this he's got like you know and it's almost like a play on that like well what happens to you men if you think that either men have the exact same checklist or you know, we all kind of do it to each other. It plays on that stereotype of women being, like, super needy and having a lot of, like, list of demands when, in fact, it was Andy who had yeah. the list of demands. Um, or it could be taken a little bit meaner and be like, well, how do you feel, women? How do you feel when, like, Jack Ellison has a list of demands, huh? How does it feel? What Andy actually did was, he's not like, I she shall be judged. Andy is like, she fucking rules. I'm going to take her to Aunt B, and we're going to see... He specifically says, like, pass muster, which is, like, a shitty way to yeah, say it. Yeah, see, see, like, see how she measures up. He's right? like, I'm going to see how much my family likes her. And, again, the the whole conversation is really creepy. But, like, he's just kind of like, yeah, no, I'm just going to decide how much I like her. But he he's specifically saying it in, like, I have judged her, and she was fucking awesome. So it's really... It's not... Andy that puts it into those terms, right? It's not him. He he, it, it, he does say it, but it's like he's pushed into a corner by by Barney, who's yeah. talking marriage. Yeah, uh, it, this episode is so badly written. It's really bad. Again, and I don't know what the fucking moral of this story. is. I don't know what the moral is. There were no jokes. So Bart, so Andy Meter, this is a two. Yeah, don't watch this episode. Do not watch this episode. It's exhausting. It's not interesting. It's I'll I'll give it I'll give it a 
three, the skeet shooting part was cool. Yeah, all right, all right. The, the big scene that it was all building to was cool. I wish they just filmed that fucking scene. And I, on a fifo meter, I kind of have to give it a high five because Barney learns nothing, nothing, but again, zero. He is not punished in any way. I am not mad at it. Well, I do again want someone to kick Barney's ass so bad at this he point. Sucks so bad. He's the worst character to ever be written, and I want to go back in time and actually fight Don Knotts. Like I want to, I want to like find Don Knotts, make him put on the hat, and then attack him. I, the thing that makes it the worst is that Barney's supposed to be, like, the lovable sidekick, right? Yeah. We're supposed to find Barney endearing in some way, shape, or form, and he's not at all. He has- At least not in this- like, No, he's a demon! He's the uh, he's an idea demon that, that haunts me on a weekly basis now. <laughs> he is- he, he, he is my fucking Slender Man. <laughs> Uh, but okay, yeah, I'll give it like in terms of just the sheer like lack of moral logic to this episode. Yeah, I, I'll give it like a seven. Just seven sounds right. Yeah, like there's nothing of especially egregious, but the sheer lack of like a central moral logic is so fucking upsetting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So that's it for that episode. That is uh, the perfect female. Yeah, it's available if you wanted to watch it for any reason. It's no. on Netflix and Amazon Prime. Ah, oh, Jesus Christ. We already did most of our plugs at the beginning, so uh if you want to talk to us, we are uh, BreakingMayberry at gmail.com. I am on the internet at Schneid Remarks. That's S-C-H-N-E-I-D Remarks. I'm at the Luds. Uh, 2Ds. On Twitter, you can follow us at Break Mayberry. You can chart go- the exciting journey of Marty losing his mind in the fantastic world of mugs. <laughs> Learn all about Andy Griffith merchandise. Yeah. Which we delve into heavily. Uh, you can also check out us on uh, Facebook.com slash Breaking Mayberry. All of the details for our live show will be there as well. You can see those in our show notes. We will also soon have a website. Uh, other than that, uh, our music is done by Max Ludwig, who is on Twitter at Sleep Talkie. Our logo is Emily Christina, uh, who is at Scribble Emily on Instagram. The music you're about to hear is Appalachian Mountain Mines by the band Ask Again. Thanks for sticking with us on this one, folks. We'll talk to you later. We will see you all down at the fishing hole. I gotta say, I, uh, that's one that's one mighty fine dick if I do say so myself. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Fuck. <laughs>
that's the that's the meat of the episode. Uh, meat. <laughs> We're the fucking worst people. 